It's Wyatt's World with Wyatt Wheeler. Presented by the Springfield News Leader. We had a Hawaiian luau here at the uh, at the place earlier today, and uh, kind of an end of summer thing. It was a couple of uh, it was a couple a couple of uh, married people uh, playing ukuleles and singing songs, and we had the uh, Hawaiian pizza and punch. We had bust you out of here. You, you, you can only uh, take so much more of that. And you, uh, uh, do you like do you like pineapple and pizza? Not really, not my favorite, but it's it's okay. I, I just pretty much like any pizza unless it's got anchovies on it. See, that's a Wyatt's World uh, rant in itself: pizza and pineapple and all that. Yeah, I'd say it could be. So you did the uh, you did Missouri State. Uh, you, you interviewed Ryan Beard a few days ago. Yeah. Just what what did you take away from that? I know you've been trying to kind of catch up a little bit on a lot of these things with uh, Missouri State football starting next week. Well, of course, uh, about four questions in, I asked him, well, who's going to be the quarterback? And he said, I wondered why you waited that long to ask, but then pretty much gave a non-answer, which I take to mean, as you have written, that there is a competition there at quarterback, and it could go either way. So I, I took that from it, but uh, he is so enthusiastic and uh, positive about things Uh any position group of the team, he's going to give you a positive answer. Uh, we'll, we'll start finding out when they, they play games next week. Now, you were, I mean, you were able to get out to a practice, uh, the one practice they allowed us to get to last week. But um, what did you take away from that that gives you some hope, gives you some concern going into this Kansas game? Well, I mean, I, I saw what everybody saw that was there. That's the... Uh, the first-team offense really struggled against the first-team defense. Uh, I hope the first-team defense is really good. But, uh, you know, they had trouble running the ball. Uh, Jacardier Wright did break through for a long touchdown. Uh, that was when uh, Jordan Pichot was in at quarterback. And Clark completed a long touchdown pass. But uh, I thought Pichot outplayed him on that particular day. Now, most of the time... He was going against the two defense, but he did run with the ones later on. So I, I saw that, uh, you know, again, uh, offensive line didn't open up very many holes for, uh, for running. Uh, they pass blocked a little bit better. And, uh, you know, I think Raylan Sharp is, is going to be really good as the probably top receiver. But Tariq Owens made a catch, a catch. But uh, that was good to see. So, yeah, I mean, I, th I think there's some question marks there, but there's some good things, and uh, I mentioned some of those. Yeah, you, you're not going to be cover. You're not going to be on the call for the first two games since they'll be on the road. You're calling the home games this year. Just uh, what's your plans for watching? Well, I'll uh, I'll watch it on ESPN three with the sound turned down, and I'll listen to the radio broadcast with. Uh, the people that are going to be doing that, and I'm looking forward to hearing them, and uh, they'll do a great job. And yeah, I'm, I'm fired up for that. I mean, at one point, I'd thought maybe about trying to go to the game, but I mean, the transportation would have been a problem. And uh, our our kids are coming down, uh, son and his wife and grandkids are coming down on Saturday for Labor Day, so it didn't make much sense to go up there. So I'll I'll watch it here. Yeah, and just what. Kansas is a team that we, I mean, when they announced that, it's just like, oh, Kansas, this might be the time the Bears yeah. can finally get um, their win over an FBS team, would be the first one since UNLV yeah. back in 1990. Just Kansas is kind of turning around a little bit to where they have one of the more talented quarterbacks in the country and everything. Just where do you go, where do you set expectations going into a week one game? Do you treat Ryan Beard like he's a first-year head coach, or do you treat him as if he's a part of a staff that's been here for four years? Uh, well, I, I pretty much treat him as a first-year coach, but uh, the the fact that the staff, including him, is pretty much intact, then, then you really do have continuity over four years. So it's a little bit of both. But, uh, yeah, the, the Bears have had bad luck on this. They schedule the 
FBS opponents and you look like, well, that may be a chance to win. And then they get good. And Kansas has been, you know, bad for years. And now a Leipold has got them to where they're, they're more than respectable. So uh, I'd like to see the Bears hang in the game. I'm not expecting a win. I mean, I'd love to see that, but you, you just want them to be competitive and give you uh, optimism that going forth against the FCS schedule. I remember last year going into Arkansas, outside of anyone on the team, you were the only, you were the only one just like, Bobby's going to have them ready. Bobby's going to have them ready. This is going to be a game when the yeah. Bears go into Arkansas. And uh, shoot, you were almost right. You're a couple tackles away during those big plays away from Missouri State being beating Arkansas. And who knows how the rest of that season goes yeah. when you look at the South Dakota State game the next week. The Bears had the game tied going into the fourth quarter, ended up losing by two touchdowns. And then the season starts to fall apart from there. Um, they, they, you're more looking just kind of at this point, just looking at it as like a first year head coach wanting to see how it is. Cause there's a lot of new on this team from the team we watched last year. Yeah, there is. Uh, and yeah, it seems like they weren't the same after the, the South Dakota state came, but, uh, you know, they did go five and six. They did just fall off the, the cliff. So I'm, 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 I'm saying really that the, the momentum of the first two Petrino years uh, really ought to carry over for the most part with, uh, with Ryan and, and the staff. How does that make this season important? Because you look at this season and you want to say, oh, those first two seasons was the way they're going. They're going nothing but up because it, truth be told, there was nowhere to go but up from right. where they were prior to Bobby getting here. But how do you look at it going from you have a disappointing year last year. They were talking national championship, and now you don't have that name at head coach where everybody knows Bobby Petrino, and now you're it's a new staff, a younger staff. How important is that, especially you also consider the Bears want to be FBS, so the administration admits that. They want to, they have all these dreams. How important is this year to a lot of that? Well, I mean, I again, I don't think the expectations are overly high this year because of some of the things we've talked about, but uh uh it, I, it is important for them to uh to have a good season. I don't know necessarily if it's playoffs or busts this first year with Ryan, but uh uh I I I think that uh you know, you, you've got these these 50-50 games, Southern Illinois would be one, uh, maybe Illinois State would be another, maybe South Dakota would be another, and if, if the Bears can win those games, then, you know, then you probably are in a, in a playoff situation. If we win two out of three, then maybe not, but uh, I, I, I think it is important that they are competitive and give you a reason for optimism in the future, but I don't know if it's a make or break kind of year in the first year under Ryan Beard. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I don't, I, I optimism has to be found. Um, I know people are going to question, should he, they have gone more aggressive to try to get a quarterback that you're not arguing right now between, um, Jacob Clark and, um, Jordan Pichot. They, they went a couple of years ago. The bears are aggressive. They go get Jason Shelley. Yeah. Um, you look at this year wide receivers, you thought you had a number one guy in Craig Bird. He transfers back to Western Kentucky a couple weeks before the season starts. I think you, and now you just look, offensive line's always the biggest question with the staff so far. And they got some guys. You're wondering if another gonna, another one of those transfers is going to crack the, off, the uh, starting lineup come Friday. But there, there is, uh, there's questions there, but I have patience. I think they've, this, the staff still deserves, even though they are in their fourth year. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and I think offensive line is easily the biggest question mark on the team, uh, with, you know, just about an all, all new five, they're tackle to tackle. Uh, so, uh, hopefully, uh, Max can coach those guys up into, into a good unit, but that's going to make or break the team. And, and you bring up winning those 50-50 games that you think um, you know, that might decide, hey, are you going to be a playoff contender or not? So that first week you have Kansas, 
Um, the FBS teams, nobody ever really circles that as a win right. unless you're North Dakota State playing against certain teams. Yeah. But after that, I mean, you get in the F- FCS schedule, you go to UT Martin. Need to win that game. Yeah. Uh, you need to win that game. Just where do you, why do you look at that importance? Where are you, why are you labeling it there? Well, I mean, you don't want to come home 0 and 2 for the home opener. And, uh, that would kind of put some, uh, uh, some doubt, I think, in people's minds. But uh, if you if you win that game, you're coming off a win, come home against uh, Utah Tech, hopefully beat them, and then you get in your conference schedule two and one, and there'll be a lot of, uh, I think, uh, forward momentum. So uh, uh, Tennessee Martin's a, a, a big game. Yeah, that's a trip to Kansas, a trip to UT Martin. Um, you have a week off, and then you have Utah Tech in your first home game. Week four, they decide to bring you in. So, I mean, maybe you're the turnaround there. You're the spark they need. Who knows? Yeah, they need. I, I do think they need to beat Utah, UT Martin. Um, but then you get into a 50-50 game. You go to Southern Illinois. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a playoff contender. North Dakota State right after that at home. I don't think anybody's sitting right here right now saying, oh, the Bears are going to knock off the Mighty Bison. Uh, even though the Bears have been competitive and probably should have beaten them at least once in these last few years. Yeah. Um, and then there's Western Illinois. I know you're very disappointed. That's a road game oh, to Macomb. I hate that. And the, do you have any, uh, you, you've talked about, was it the snow trip where you flew in there or something like that? Um, oh, there are all kinds of stories at Western Illinois, but the, the best one probably is when Coach Rowe used to uh, charter King Air, and uh, some of us would fly over on the day of the game in the morning. So we got into Macomb and uh, got out, and uh, there was a taxi that the pilot had called ahead to get us to the stadium, and uh, it had pulled up. It was a van because there were about six or seven of us, and we got in, and the driver got out and went into the airport building, and we, he stayed in there quite a while. We thought, well, what's, what's going on? And then another taxi pulled up, and that was the one for us. <laughs> so the first guy probably was terrified that, you know, these guys had gotten in his van, but uh, <laughs> like we were terrorists or something. But you're wondering how many uh, vans there are in Macomb, Illinois, uh, providing that service on a given day. But I guess there were two at that time, and we got in the wrong one. But yeah, one other time we went over there, the airport was closed, you know, so we ended up landing in, uh, I think Galesburg and mm. we had to get transportation uh, back for, and that was with the whole team. That was a basketball trip. So, uh, they, they got, it was a McDonough County rehab center bus <laughs> came and there were two of them and they came and picked us up the whole, the whole team and drove us back over a through farm fields to, uh, to Macomb. See, you say, you say you're not going to miss it. I mean, you say you're going to miss it sarcastically, but I mean, you're not going to have those stories if you're not going to Macomb anymore. Yeah. They will be missed in the Missouri Valley football conference. Yeah. Dennis Heim and I had a, had a great time on the road trips. The, the ones where we'd go the night before North Dakota state, Youngstown state. I mean, that story there, last time we went to Youngstown, uh, we stayed at a, hotel in Pennsylvania, which was about 10 miles away from Youngstown. It was kind of a, well, I'm sure it was good in its day, but it was kind of a rundown holiday inn. And, uh, there was, uh, the, of course the team had their, their meals catered in, but there was no, uh, restaurant in the hotel. And we, we said, well, where are we going to eat? And so Dennis got on his phone, you know, and he found several places, but so then we ask about Uber and this, well, uh, he doesn't drive all the time. He meeting the <laughs> Uber driver in this town. So we ended up walking. We just walked on the shoulder of a busy highway with 60 mile an hour traffic going by. It was, it was a pretty good walk to the place and back, but, uh, you know, that, that's another story of the road there of trying to, uh, trying to get a meal. Yeah, no, I mean. So I'm thinking they need to be Western Illinois a little bit. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, we're, 
we're having a completely different conversation now. How much how much are we letting Ryan Beard off the hook for year one if you lose a Western Illinois? No, you can't. Way? You can't lose to Western can't, Illinois. Can't lose at a Leathernecks. We saw some thrilling matchups between the Bears and Leathernecks back in the Steck days. Yeah. Um, how big was that press box too? You're not going to miss that. That's uh, not even two shoulders to stand next to each other, right? That that really is true. That you know, with and and, and it's a little tiny window. Uh, but it, it doesn't open. It's just a glass window, obviously to see out, but it doesn't open. And then there's a, a trap door at your feet. Uh, if you want to let in some air. So we're usually up there and it's cold and the cold air is going up your pant leg, but, uh, I have to hang the uh, microphone out there. Otherwise it just sounds like we're, we're in a box and it could be anywhere. So I've got to have that crowd mic and inevitably some little kid will discover the mic and, you know, he'll start, you know, announcing or making farting noises into it or something that happened one time. So, so yeah, that's, that's, that's a great place. The, uh, I told the old Steve Savard is going to do the road games. I said, uh, dude, you are going to be appalled by Western Illinois after the places you've been in the NFL for 16 years. And he said the Rams trained at Western Illinois for a long time. He said he's done scrimmages from that booth, so he knows exactly what he's getting into up there. Savard's a big dude. I mean, he works out a lot, and I mean, he's—I don't know if there's going to be another, going to be uh, any room for another guy in that room the way you describe it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's literally uh, your your shoulder to shoulder in there. And of course, there is a table for the the equipment, but. Uh, not very much room to spread out any other materials. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's the worst place I've ever been really, <laughs> as far as uh, football broadcasting. And you've, and you've been doing stuff from in here and you, <laughs> you've been doing chief stuff from in here. Yeah. Yeah. This is better than Macomb, I guess. Oh, much better than Macomb. <laughs> they'll yeah. give you, they'll bring ice cream down for you. They will. No, I, I mean, Murray State's another one of those Western Illinois level teams yeah, that you're kind of looking at. You, gotta be uh, you got that the next week. Yeah. And then you get into that little stretch. Uh, you're still in that stretch. Youngstown State on the road. Youngstown's had some success there. Yeah. Um, the, the, whether they're living, whether they're rooming in Pennsylvania or Ohio. Right. Um, we'll see how much that impacts the Bears. And Youngstown, the Bears got them last year, ended Youngstown's play, uh, playoff hopes, but who knows what kind of happened the year before if the Bears were able to get them. Right. Uh, that just, was that was their only win in the conference mm-hmm. that year. And that was against a Bears team that went to the playoffs. Yeah, so who knows what could have happened there. Maybe would it be could you have begotten in some of those conversations for a fire or whatever? But I yeah. mean that was a, that was a really troubling one. So never discredit them. Illinois State's defense is typically good. We'll see what happens when they come here. They seem to be um, they, they're trying to build again. Brock's back's been there for a long time. Northern Iowa, I think, is a dangerous team. Oh, M- sure. Maybe the best quarterback in the league, and they have some. They're all their receivers back. The defense will be better. Um, so I'm a, they they they're one that I'm nervous about. They'll be a playoff team late in the year, and then South Dakota State will be trying to wrap up being the number one seed in the yeah in, in, in the playoffs. So uh, you just kind of look at all that, and it's just like okay, there are opportunities in there. Um, to be a good team, to have, to have a, not be the eighth place team. Cause I think you probably look at that and you're like, okay, that's gotta be the floor. Um, and, and yeah. a lot of people would be really disappointed if eighth place was the result, because like I said, they were, we're talking about a first year head coach who's super young. And then a lot of young guys on his staff, but at the same time, they've been here and they've been the guys behind all this and. They've just lost the leader looking over them. Yeah. Again, uh, you win those two early games that we mentioned. Uh, you beat Western Illinois and Murray. Those are must-haves. That's four wins. And then, you know, if you win two out of three of those 50-50 games that we mentioned, you're you're six and five. And you're probably in the playoff conversation in this conference if you're six and five. If you win all three, then you are in the playoffs. Yeah, so I mean, there are, there are ways to get in there, but needing to see if that offensive line comes together first, and um, if quarterback play can be competent, because yeah. 
Um, we don't know what to expect from either of those. And Jacob Clark hasn't been tackled in a game for three years. Yeah. Um, George Pichot played Juco ball and was pretty good there in Southern California, but um, haven't really seen him play in quite a while either. Um, just what else has been up with you? Uh, you've been doing Chiefs. Are you liking what the Chiefs are doing? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's practice, but, uh, I did particularly, everybody felt better after the second game, which was a blowout win and everybody, the ones, the twos, threes, everybody played really well. So that was, uh, that was good. So now the, the focus this week obviously is, is really on the reserves and the position battles. They've got 13 wide receivers. They're probably going to keep six or seven, uh, running back is, uh, like the, if they keep a fourth running back, uh, and, and they probably won't keep a fullback now, so they probably will keep four running backs, but, uh, who do you keep there? Uh, some defensive linemen, uh, there, there's a, a battle there. Danny Shelton is a veteran guy that trying to make the team as a backup and obviously, uh, get Chris Jones in eventually is going to be essential for the chiefs right now. Mike Dana, who's been with them for a good many years is, uh, is playing one of the off or defensive line positions and he's adequate, but he's certainly not Chris Jones. So need to get him in. How do you see that playing out? That's been a big conversation. He said some things on Twitter the other day about the possibility of sitting out until week eight, just, uh, yeah. you getting nervous yet? Uh, I am a little nervous about that, but you know, in, in Veach, we trust, and I think, uh, Brett Veach, the general manager will get that worked out, but, uh, that may just be wishful thinking. I mean, he's, he's under contract for $20 million this year, but, uh, you know, understandably he wants a, a long-term deal and he's got some leverage because, uh, he brings to the chief something they don't otherwise have. So, uh, I would hope that gets resolved sooner rather than later. I think you trade him to Chicago for like a fourth. Sure. I think that's, that's fair. Cause he's, you want to get that contract off your books. So, I mean, it sure. Be Chris Jones and like a, you know, fifth for a bears third is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're insane. <laughs> I mean, Ryan Poles, that's in polls. We trust, right? I mean, chiefs guys, just a yeah. little handshake deal. Yeah. 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 Be all right. Yeah. Don't think so. How's the rehab? Yeah. Good. You know, five days a week and, uh, uh, these guys have a good reputation and, and well deserved. They, they do a good job of, you know, kind of, I'm building up my core here. I, I can feel that, uh, slowly, but surely, uh, nothing from the legs yet, as far as movement is concerned, but we're, we're working on that too. You watch the Royals still every day. Oh yeah. You're still doing that. I am. Why? They won their last game. Oh my God. They may throw a parade. They won a game. They got 41. <laughs> which, which is not very many, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're playing tonight and, uh, it's in Seattle on slate. So I'll probably fall, fall asleep during it. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's been hard to watch. Just fall asleep in the first inning, bud. What are you doing? Yeah. No, I, that, that might happen tonight, but, uh, you know, they, they've been, they've been better the second half than they were the first half, which. That's kind of like you said about Missouri State football. There's, you got to get better because you can't get worse from the first half performance. I'm seeing some good things out of some of the young guys and uh, Brady Singer and uh, the left-hander that they got from Texas for Aldous Chapman has pitched really well. So they got two starters that, that are throwing well. The other three days, well, you know, kind of uh, flip a coin. What is that? Is that a... Uh... 15 games below 500 in the second half instead of like 20 from the first half? Uh, that's not 15 below, I don't think, in the second half. Not <laughs> I yet. Was, I was just talking about the small improvement, yeah, whatever yeah. you can hold on yeah, to. Yeah, they haven't played enough games for it to be that much. No, all you have to do is play 15 games, and they'll be 15 games below 500. Yeah, well, they're they're not. They're, they're winning about one out every three. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's it, but I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Pleased to be joined by John Kirby. He is a writer for JayhawkSlant.com. It's part of the Rivals Network. Hey, John, how you doing? Good, White. How about yourself? We've got some football to talk about for once in a long time here. Oh, yeah, and I'm, I'm really excited. How is it covering Jayhawk football that's relevant? That's got to be something else for you right now. 
Well, you know, um, Wyatt, I've been at this a long time. Uh, I started covering the program in 1999. So, unfortunately, I've seen more bad football than good football. Um, but I have seen some good football when Mark Mangino was here. And, and you kind of, you know, I saw what a structured, disciplined, organized program looked like, how that was. And I'm going to tell you, that's what Lance Leipold's doing now. I mean, his, his system and what he's doing with his program feels a lot like what it was back in those days when Kansas was going to bowl games and uh, BCS Bowl down in Miami. So it's just a lot of the same thing that he, he's done an amazing job in such a short amount of time with what he had to work with since he took over. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of where I wanted to start with Lance. Comes over from Buffalo. Um, and I mean, Kansas has been the butt of so many jokes for football for so long. Um, for at least these last few years, Les Miles goes out and some controversy and I mean, just problems around him. And, uh, the last few, the kind of his entire coaching career is that what it felt like, uh, with some things coming out, but just the respect that this program has been able to gain, how much fun it was last season. Is it just a discipline or where, where did he excel throughout all this to make Kansas a team that we, that's worth talking about right now? Well, you know, it's it's funny you, you bring up Les Miles. But I mean, it goes deeper than that. I mean, you know, the, they go to a bowl game last year. I mean, it's been 14 years since they've been to a bowl game. I mean, they haven't had a winning season in 14 years. So, I mean, if you just think about, gosh, I mean, so, so, you know, sometimes why you just hope that you get a little luck every now and then and put together a winning season. It took that long for them to get there. I just think, and I don't know if it's just organization and everything, but you've also got to give he and his staff and the players who bought in to help change the culture in such a short amount of time. One thing that people don't really talk about is Leipold was hired. This was a very unique deal because of the situation with Miles. He was hired in April. He didn't get his staff in, in town until May. Okay, So they missed spring football. So Lance Leipold, he's only had two spring footballs at KU. So they got a late start, which is very rare in coaching because usually the coaches are hired in December or January or late November. And then you get the kids in the, you know, through the spring and you get them in with the strength and conditioning staff. Lance didn't have a chance to do that. So I think the players have bought in. I think he's done an incredible job of being very consistent. And I think he's got a good staff. You know, one of the things that during this time of bad football that we've seen at Kansas, of all the coaches that have been hired through, you know, the Targills and Charlie Weiss, and David Beatty, Liz Miles, one thing Lance did is he brought, you know, half of the staff from Buffalo. So there was continuity, and they knew what was expected of them. They kind of had a system in place. So I think when you combine everything, and, and listen, Wyatt, they wanted to win at Kansas. Okay? Kansas fans want winning football. So somebody told me one time, they said, well, I just don't know if KU wants winning football. They don't invest in it. God, I can't tell you how much money they have paid to fire coaches over the last 13 years. The buyouts they've paid out to keep rehiring coaches, they do care. They, they, they want winning football. And, you know, they, they finally got a system in place right now that I think is going to bring that to them. And I'm fascinated by when you talk about KU wants good football, they, want, they invest in it. You see what's going on now with stadium renovations that they want to do, unveiling a lot of those plans. I mean, last year, it's a six and seven year. You had an injury at quarterback, but they're ready. They try to go big time and show why they're um, why they're a football school as well as just not that basketball school. Well, you know, Travis Goff and, and, and his staff and, and endowment, they've done an amazing job raising the money and putting a plan together to get this. This stadium-wide has been talked about for years and years. They've even had a press conference before. Gosh, I want to say it was five years ago. I can't remember the exact date. I was there when they talked about, you know, a big fundraising gift they got that was going to kickstart the new stadium, and it just kind of stalled. So this has been something that's been in the works, but Travis Goff has made it happen, an athletic director, and I do think a lot of it has to do on the heels of the success last year that they had that's kind of taken the momentum forward. Yeah, and just kind of talking about the team going on right now, it starts with Jalen Daniels, of course, the quarterback. He gets an injury midseason season. 
um, kind of during all that hype around Kansas, the big wins that we saw earlier in the year. Uh, but he's back, and he's a preseason Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year already. Just what is it about him that makes him special, that uh, makes Kansas a team that's to watch heading into the year? Well, there's a couple things that come to mind. Number one, when you're around him, he's just he's got such a great personality, but he's so confident, but he doesn't, you can tell how confident he is, but he doesn't come out as boastful or overly cocky. He believes in himself. But I'll tell you the one thing that I think made Kansas go last year, when he was healthy, Andy Kodalicki, the offensive coordinator, put a great scheme together because Daniels can throw it. He can run it. He's really good in the run game. I mean, he's, I'll tell you what, when you see him in person, I mean, he's every bit 215 pounds. I think he's put on some, some more muscle in the offseason, but he can run it real well. And they started mixing in some quarterback run game, some option to go along with the pass. And I tell you, the first five weeks of the season, people were off guard. They didn't know how to defend it because Kansas does a lot of things. They do a lot of motioning, a lot of, a lot of different formations. And when he gets out and he starts running that option and he gets that pass game going, as a defensive coordinator, you're trying to pick your poison on, okay, what are we going to stop? Yeah, I don't know if we can stop at all, but let's focus on stopping something because he does so many things well that there, he has so many different ways to move the football. Just kind of looking at last season as well, I mean, that's 5-0 and you start the season. Kansas is the talk of college football. You get college game day in there. Um, Jalen Daniels gets hurt in there, so they lose seven of their last – um, eight, which included, a, a, I believe, J- Daniels played in that Arkansas game at the very end, the Liberty Bowl, correct? Yeah, he played in the, he played in the whole game. He returned later in the season. He, he was out for several games, and then Jason Dean came in in quarterback and had some games where he did well. Well, listen, Jalen Daniels got hurt at halftime going into half of that TCU game. Jason Dean comes in, and don't, don't hold me on the stats here, but I, he throws for like 250 yards. In the second half, Jason Dean did. So, and then there were some good games he had throughout the year. And then he was the quarterback against Oklahoma State that started and led him to the to their sixth win to be bowl eligible, where they beat Oklahoma State. So, I mean, you know, he he's a pretty good backup to have. Um, Andy Kotelnicki, the offensive coordinator, the other day said, "How many programs out there have two quarterbacks coming back that both won Power Five football games last year?" Pretty good question. Yeah, I mean, you kind of look at that. You have competent quarterback play throughout that stretch. You're playing some really good teams. I mean, you're you're right there with TCU. They go to the college football playoff. Where where do you think it fell off for this team, and where do you think they address that going into this season? Well, it, it, it was definitely the defense. Okay, and it's no it, it's no shock to anybody that you know what the what the issue defense started giving up some points. I mean, they played Oklahoma. They gave up, uh, lost 52-42, I think it was. They yep. turned around the following week and gave up 35 or 38 to Baylor. Then they went on the road to Lubbock and gave up 43. The next week, they gave up 55 to Texas. The next week, they gave up 47 to Kansas State. So you see where I'm going with yeah. this. The defense just, you know, it, it's it struggled. It really did. And if, if Kansas really wants to turn the corner, the defense has got to be the one thing that turns it around. And, and I got to tell you, there were stretches, but the defense didn't look bad at all. There were some slow starts for KU got down like 14 nothing, 14 3. They dug a hole. And then there were some stretches where the defense actually looked pretty good. But by that time, they were always like playing catch up mode. So that's the one area this year uh, in the spring. Lance really, it was a physical spring. I know there were guys banged up, and, and he threw the gauntlet. He said, this is the one thing that's got to change. Is we've got to become a more physical football team and program. And it was a long spring for those guys. And I think they're, they hope that's going to pay off this year, that they're a little tougher. It, I, I laughed at that. You look at the preseason, um, you look at the preseason all-conference team for the Big 12, and it's just like, oh, you have the preseason player of the year on offense. You have the you have a first team running back. You have some other guys in there as well. The defense has to be pretty bad if looked at pretty bad if you're going to be picked ninth going into uh, going into this season. 
yeah, you know, d- defensively, it's an interesting deal because they actually bring back a lot of production. I mean, they bring back their entire secondary. They bring back their top two corners, their top two safeties, their top three safeties. They bring back their top three linebackers, and then they've got a, a really good transfer they got in that's pushing for playing time right now. The difference is they lost, technically, they lost all four starters across the defensive front. Now, I believe that they can get those guys replaced with the biggest question mark being the rush in. They had a kid last year named Lonnie Phelps who led the team in sacks. Uh, he left one year early for the NFL, so that left a void there. But they got some guys they're trying out. So I think a lot of it's going to come down to can that D-line, I think it could be more athletic this year, can those guys perform up front? And then can that back seven, the back end of the defense, that's so experienced, can those guys just step up and make a few more plays than they did last year? Because KU's just a few stops here and there from winning a couple more games. I'm sure ninth would be a disappointment for uh, how how the fans would look at that going into this year. You know, I, I don't know. I think it depends on how you get to ninth, right? So why I tell people this, and people just, they always shake their head like I, I'm wrong, but Kansas, in the history of their football program, think about this, dating back to whenever they started playing football, they have only been to back-to-back bowl games one time in the history of their football program. Yeah. Okay, that was 2007, 2008. If they can do that this year, if they can get to a bowl game this year, that is the second time that it would have been done in the program's history. I, I tell people that. I'll go on some radio shows and people go, oh, that can't be right. There's no way that can be right. John Riggins and Gail Sayers and John Hadle and you, you go through and maybe some of the guys that have gone through the KU program. Well, it is true. So, I say this, if ninth place is seven and five or in six and six, I think KU fans might take it because that means they're, they're going to get to spend another holiday somewhere watching them play in a bowl game. So are you a, so are you a football guy or are you, a, um, are you a basketball? Do, do you, just you personally, do you sit in here just like thinking, oh, this is a, <laughs> have you been a football guy in a basketball world for the longest time? Well, so, you know, people have always uh, told me I got the bad end of the stick, and I, I'm always glutton for punishment, but that's been my job since 1999. I have covered the football program strictly only. So we've, we've got uh, other writer and writers that have come in and covered basketball, and that's what they do. And I've just been a football guy, so I've kind of lived all these ups and downs through the years with all the fans. <laughs> but, so when you go into uh... – this week one, how has Missouri State kind of looked at it over there? Because Missouri State has had its downs, but it's just kind of on this little slide up right now. No Bobby Petrino now, but I mean, the last couple years, they're a couple tackles away from beating Arkansas. The year before, they're a couple tackles away from beating Oklahoma State. Just what's the perspective on Missouri State going into the year from, uh, from a Lawrence standpoint? Well, I'm going to tell you, I don't know if there is a perspective because I think everybody's just trying to kind of figure out, okay, KU took the college football world by storm last year, okay? Can they do it again? And I'm going to tell you, I was going to go on our message board and tell our fans sometime tonight or tomorrow that, you know, as I watched Missouri State, okay, I think a lot of people are still trying to figure out what Missouri State is because they've got a new coach, you know, Obviously, Katrina did a great job there. Was it two years ago? Weren't they in the FCS playoff? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, they – and then, like you said, I went back and watched like 15 minutes of highlights the other day when they were down in Fayetteville. I mean, they were they were up that whole game. So, listen, there's two common opponents last year for Arkansas, Missouri State and KU. And on the scoreboard and on paper, I don't know that there was a lot of difference. So – Kansas opened the year last year, Wyatt, with Tennessee Tech, and I mean, they just hammered it. I honestly don't even remember the score, but it was like 50-something to 10 or one of those scores. And I was going to go on and tell everybody, guys, this is not Tennessee Tech coming to Lawrence on Friday. This this is going to be a football team that returns some guys, that's uh, a program that's, you know, pretty established under what Petrino built that they're going to, yeah, Petrino's son's the offensive coordinator, right? 
Yeah, Pacino's son's the yeah. offensive coordinator. His son-in-law is the new head coach, and he has another new, another son-in-law that's the uh, defensive coordinator. Okay, okay. I mean, you know, you know, you can say what you want about Bobby Petrino, but the guy, wherever he's gone, he's put together a good football team. So, I mean, this is a game, and, and Kansas has played some FCS teams from that conference, and they have had to fight to win or even got beat. South Dakota State came in here. Um, Several years ago, when David Bailey was the head coach, and beat KU in the in the season opener. So it just—I don't know. This is not a team you could take lightly. And I think the Kansas fans are riding a pretty big wave from last year. And KU returns more production than any college team in the country this year. They return more starting production. So I think there's this confidence. But I'm going to kind of tell everybody: <laughs> you can't come in and be flat against against Missouri State and just think you're going to cakewalk. So, I mean, you kind of leave the door open where Missouri State has a shot there. Well, I just think that if, if Kansas comes out and plays their game and does what they're supposed to do, I mean, Kansas has got to be favored. They've got to be the team that you expect to win. But at the same time, we've seen teams come out in their first week and they're a little flat or, you know, you don't know who's banged up. And, you know, one thing Kansas does is they just they keep injuries, and they had guys who are banged up. They keep that on the down low. I'm just saying this is not a game that Kansas can take lightly, and it's not a game they can play their C or C-minus game and think they're just going to walk out and win like they did last year against Tennessee Tech. Now, they played well against Tennessee Tech, but Missouri State's a lot better than Tennessee Tech. Yeah, as we record this, there is no line yet on the game. Kansas will be favored. I'm not sure by how much, but it I'm sure it'll be double digits there, not, uh, maybe not too terribly much in the double digits, but um, not not those 30 scores that you sometimes see in a uh, FCS, FBS type of game. Um, and what do you expect 7 p.m.? What's the atmosphere going to be like? How do you think that stadium's going to be? Well, you know, it should be good. Um, you know, why it's the big thing everybody's pointing to, and this is what I need, you know, and I know that I know the, players and the coaches won't look ahead but the following week there's another friday night game in lawrence and this one's against illinois and it's going to be nationally televised and you know there, there's a lot of talk that could be a sellout it could be moving that way but you know you hope that the students and the people show up for this friday night game i, I think i saw the other day or today that the weather's supposed to creep back up to about 92 it's been about a hundred and been about 100 to 102 for like six straight days here and now it got cool but then i saw toward the end of the week it's supposed to get back up in the low 90s so it could be a warm one friday and and how i know the administration and everybody is really hoping that the people show up and, and bring a strong attendance in this first game yeah no that's uh it, it should be a fun one i'm i'm very curious i've i've talked to you a little bit about uh uh, my expectations, and it's just uh, it's just a whole lot of uh, wait and see on Missouri State's end. Don't know who the quarterback is as of this recording, and um, gonna be it's gonna be a bit di- bit of a different looking Bears team. But I'm excited to see it. I know you're excited to see it. I know the fans are as well. That's John Kirby, JayhawkSlant.com, part of the Rivals Network. Uh, has been covering Kansas football for quite a while. John, thank you so much for coming on here. All right, Wyatt, thanks for having me. Yep, thanks. Yeah, definitely. It's exciting times around the buzz in college football. Time is here. Time is now to see what you've done in regards to recruiting and preparation for the season. And no better time than to start it off in in Kansas versus Jayhawks. New and improved Jayhawks, I must say. Um, For our team... Specifically, I want to start off by congratulating our team captains. Um, it's voted on by their peers. It's a huge deal. We talked about it in the beginning of camp that this is not something to be taken lightly, and it is certainly something that's truly earned, not just handed out as a, you know, as a ce- celebrity status on the team. So those guys have earned it. Um, our, our team captains are Darian Smith and P.J. Hall for the defense, Raylan Sharp, Jacardier Wright for the offense, and Grant Burkett is our special teams captain. Those guys have done a tremendous job on and off the field, cultivating our culture and just doing the things that you need them to do as captains to be successful. Questions? 
Who's your starting quarterback? They're both. That I would, that was. Uh, I should have noted. I know Wyatt's going to ask who's starting quarterback. You know, it's fair. Um, they're both going to play. Uh, we have significant packages for both players. Both are going to be ready to go, and I think they've both earned that right. I think throughout camp, you know, sometimes a guy will take a true step ahead and separate themselves, and sometimes you think that there's a flavor of the week that both can help you win. I think that's where we're at right now. And then obviously as the game progresses, depending on if one guy takes the show and runs with it, we'll stick with him. And if not, you could be ready for a quick change. It just depends on what we have to do to be successful in the ball game. So when you run out there for the first snap, who's the answer to the center? Well, you could have one under center and then one in the slot. It just kind of – we could go two quarterback formation sets, kind of like the Jayhawks are doing from time to time. They've got two great quarterbacks as well. So that'll that'll be an interesting thing to see as we break the huddle. Do we, do we have Jordan in? Do we have Jacob in? Are they both in the in the huddle? So it'll be an exciting time to see. And then, um, you know, let them cut it loose. Let them go earn the right. So that's something where they're still competing a little bit for that starting job. Do you want one at some point here soon, next couple of weeks? I think that would be good if one of them truly takes a step up and earns earns the job on game day. Um, but again, I think there's significant, you know, I think there's things that you can do that significantly help you in, in schematics that both guys do differently. Um, and you've seen both guys. I know you were at the scrimmage that you saw. Jacob, more of a pocket passer, can control the D&D, do things situationally where, you know, the other guy is better at running with the football and can do some things being elusive with the blitz. Where do you realize in that competition? It's like, oh, we'll just go with two quarterbacks. Yeah, it honestly doesn't bother me a bit. I, I think, again, I, it gives us an advantage in regards to game planning. Um, people have to plan for a, a variety of different things in regards to quarterback run, in regards to drop back passing, get different play action looks from each guy that gives you a unique ruffle to, to make sure they have to prepare for it all talked about a commitment to the run this season. Obviously, that will help both of your quarterbacks. Jacardier, the, the number one running back, and how many guys might we see behind Yeah, I love the running back room. I've, I've talked about that for a long time, and Jacardier has done a tremendous job through camp. Again, he's a big, strong presence with great vision that does a good job running the football, and he's he's carried the load around here. You're also going to see young man Jaden Becks. We call him Jab. He's a really good runner. Again, he's a track guy from Texas that does a nice job. Connor Lair has had a tremendous camp. The nice thing about Connor is his utility in regards to being able to catch the football out of the backfield, being able to put himself in the position of what we call the F, kind of a moving tight end if we needed to get bigger. And he has certainly created a role there. And then Selden Manning, if we can keep him healthy, keep him doing a good job, uh, he'll be in the mix as well. Coach, what has felt different for you this preseason compared to the past when you've been in the system? Well, Obviously, you know, getting to talk to you fine fellows is, is, a, is a nice change. You guys are good people. You treat us with respect. No, but in all seriousness, it's I, I really like where we're at in regards to our attitude and approach to each day. The players, and again, the, the captains are standing right back there. They've truly bought into a player-led football team, player-led leadership, and that makes my job a lot easier. You know, a lot of some teams you have to come out and and force their will to practice hard and force them to run around and have energy and passion in what they're doing each day. But they've controlled it themselves and they understand what's on the line and what we need to try to go do this fall. And it, it's time. You seem like such a personable guy, but how much, how much have you embraced those responsibilities that go with just coaching football? Yeah. What you see is a little bit different than sometimes what those guys see in regards to um, my coaching mannerisms. I'm an I'm a in-your-face, pretty direct person. Um, I feel like you can have both, and I feel like that's that helps your program. Um, but I think those guys back there, when they get up and talk, especially PJ, he's standing back there. He was in my position group the last three years. There, there's a little bit it turns on once you step in between the white lines, and I think it's it's been great because again, I enjoy talking to you guys. But my main priority here is to get the team ready to win football games, and however my attitude has to change to do that, we've done that. You find out more on Friday night. But how far do you think your offensive line has come? Obviously, been a big, I don't want to say remaking, but retooling your offensive line. How much further along do you guess they are than at the end of last year? I think, I think we've made significant strides there. I think they're coming together as a group because last time we talked, it was about finding the right package of, of men to start on the offensive line. I still think it'll be by committee in some capacity, but 
they, they've the last two weeks we've really dialed in on situational football and really what the call sheet will look like versus Kansas and then moving forward. And I think you'll get significantly more push off the ball. We'll be a little bit more dynamic in regards to the drop back passing game and ability to do some things um, that, that help our quarterback be successful. Because again, neither of those guys have started a football game in a long time. Okay. So you're going to have a guy back there that we have to find a rhythm for. And I think that's, will be a testament to our football team is can we run the ball to win? Can we move the offensive line of scrimmage? And then on defense, can we hold the line and, and eliminate explosives? That'll to me, that's the ball game, explosive plays. Do you have any idea what to expect out of Kansas? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, a ton of huge plays. Um, you know, they're they're a really really talented football team. I think that their quarterback was he's up for Player of the Year and and all the ballots, which he should be. You know, when you watch his game, he's got you know some things that you don't see very often. You know, he can run with the football. He's got great vision down the field. He really does a nice job progressing because I'm sure he's. People have been saying, oh, he, he uses his feet to get out of issues. He can make progression reads. You know, that's the thing I like about him. You know, Jalen sits there and he'll go from one, two, three, and he's not just a runner. He's got a big, strong arm. He, I like his attitude. I think he plays football the right way. He's got a chip on his shoulder. And, you know, if a defensive guy doesn't come correctly, he lets you know. And there's nothing wrong with that. With all that said, you're preparing for two, you're preparing for two quarterbacks Absolutely. I think, again, when you when you face a team like this, when you've got the, the backup that does such a nice job, um, you know, Jason Bean, you see him move on film and he's just like another athlete on the field. Why would you not utilize him and, you know, again, put him in the slot, do variable motions with him, do different things to where you create, just like we talked about earlier with our two quarterbacks, you're creating more for the defense to prepare for. And again, Lance and those guys do such a good job at, at Kansas They'll, they'll have a they'll have a great plan. Coach, last time we saw you guys play a top ten power five opponents, Razorbacks, you had them on the ropes in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. on upset alert. How much are last year's guys talking about getting back in that position against a power five opponent and start finishing it off? Yeah, there's a lot of them. And the, the whole offseason we've talked about finishing games and you know, just our one of our last camp practices, we had a fourth quarter run drill where it was about being able to be mentally and physically tough enough in the fourth quarter to go finish those games off. Uh, yeah, we took Arkansas to the ropes, but the nice thing about football is, as you guys know, what have you done for me lately? We have to show them what this football team is and how good we can be. And the nice thing about our roster is you look up and down the roster, you've got transfers and junior college guys and different guys in different roles that they've been to the big show. You know, we're not going to walk out there timid looking at the lights like, oh, goodness, this is a big, bad stadium. We've all been there, done that. It's it's just football at the end of the day. Well, for you and game day management, just learning how to take – when to take timeouts, do you yeah. practice by playing Madden or something? <laughs> how do you figure that out? Do you have a challenge flag? Are you keeping that in the sock? What, what's... Yeah, I'm waiting on my, my kids to get old enough to want the, uh, the PS5, PS5. And that way I can get maybe back into Madden and some gaming stuff. So it seems pretty cool. Don't play that now. But what we have done is we've done some situation things in practice to where we've put the headsets on and gotten on the sidelines and been able to go through some of those situations and try to make sure we manage our timeouts correctly, understand the new clock management rules. I'm sure you guys have seen, you know, the clock doesn't stop except under two minutes now, which is, you know, for pace of play, I get it. Fans want fast games and, and that's, I'm, I'm great with that. But it is certainly a, a different perspective because there will not be times where I go and do every single correction with the defense. My eyes will be on the field the whole time, and we'll be talking offense, defense, special teams. And I'm excited for the challenge because, you know, great head coaches are great game managers. So that opportunity will be, will be a lot of fun. Coach, are you going to take a moment just to take a deep breath and say this is my first game as head coach? Absolutely. I actually do that before every game because, you know, as, as you see in, in life and through COVID and every single thing else that people are dealing with nowadays, time is promised to no one. I, I feel like every single day is a gift and you have to take a second to enjoy it because, you know, those players back there, our staff spend a lot of time away from the people they care about. You spend a lot of time at work and you have to continue to be able to find your joy. Now the good Lord's put us in a position to – to have some fun with this career and make a difference. And that's what we're going to try to do.
How have you seen the receivers emerge? I know just some late changes there mm -hmm. a little bit. I know you're confident in those guys, but how have you seen them step up when a few of them are moving up the depth chart? Yeah, it's definitely been fun to see. Um, and they're an explosive group. Raylan Sharp is going to get up here and talk in just a little bit. He creates mixed match issues all over the field. And we have to do a good job of, of getting those advantage plays. Where do we put him to create an advantage against their defenses? Larry Wright's done a really nice job for us, being able to bounce in and out of inside, outside receiver. Um, and then, you know, Devontae Key is a younger guy that's grown in this system and, and really knows the package. Now he can stretch the field. He's gotten more comfortable in his role. I, I'm excited about the full group. I, I can't say enough about them because, you know, they're a resilient crew. Like you said, there were some late departures. And, you know, that, that's going to happen nowadays in college football. That's what we've created. So that's what we have to live with. And... They've, they've done a really nice job with it. Defensive line, just uh, we saw really young guys on that second unit when we were able to get out there uh, about a week and a half ago. Mm -hmm. Just how are you feeling about defensive line depth and some of those younger names we've seen in there, the local guys? Yeah, that, that's been a really big part of Camp Force is building depth and that depth in that defensive front because, you know, we talk about, and you mentioned last year, Anthony Payne, losing him in the inside was a huge blow. And, you know, a lot of people look at the others – significant things that happened. But that was a significant blow. And you got Sterling since Sterling Smithson, who's a Kansas native. He's done a great job in there playing nose and three tech. Young Tim Brantley from uh, Texas is a, is a huge man who's done a nice job. Got really light on his feet, good movement. Um, Armand Wallace is going is gonna to take a bunch of the load in there and do a nice job. And then you love our edges. You love Jalen Williams. You love Darren Smith, Devin Gorey on the, on the edge. And then, like you said, your young guys, Caden Wiest, Andrew Link, um, some of those guys will, will be fits here and there. But for those guys, really, it's about finding what they can do immediately to help the football team. You don't want to overload a young guy that's super athletic and have him be paralysis by analysis, for lack of a better term. And we got to do a good job of that schematically. Secondary depth. There's a lot of, there were a lot of changes. Seemed like you had the safeties locked down. Um, cornerbacks, a whole bunch of names in there, guys with experience. Just how do you settle on that? And yeah. Who settled on just kind of be out there? Yeah, the first group, uh, Kalino Levine, will be, he's done a really nice job in camp. He's smooth. He, he, his movement reminds you of Brad's and his playmaking ability in regards to how he can fit the run as well as cover guys down the field. And then the other side will be with Jamal McMurrin, uh, Floyd Williams, uh, so a few other guys doing that. And then you have to really – Visualize what are you doing with your package? What are you seeing that week? Depending on, you know, I like to get as many DBs on the field as possible. So if we can get a few of those and some cover packages on third down, we're going to try to get creative and do that as well to cover to match athlete with athlete. You sound really young. Just the team, just the guys that are going to be playing, um, they're going to be stepping on a kind of a bigger stage where people are actually excited about Kansas football for once. So just uh, how do you think those guys are going to handle that? And what do you expect from just having a younger group that's going to have to get better throughout the year, too. Yeah, we are we are an extremely young football team with not a, t not a ton of guys that have been there and done it on a consistent basis. But I think, like the gentleman alluded to earlier, before the game, everybody just has to take a deep breath and get back to what got you here. How did I get to this point? I have earned the right to be on this big stage. I have done everything it took. I've worked as hard as I possibly could to get the most out of my talent and then just go let it hang. We, we try to press them a lot in fall camp in regards to putting them in disadvantaged situations because, again, you guys were out there for the scrimmage. Sometimes the defense will go third and out, and we'll go again. You know, we're going to stay in there for a few three and outs and just truly press them to see who can, who can understand that on, on Friday night there's going to be some serious stress and some serious pressure. But it's not the absence of that. you got to be able to function through it. And I think we've done a good job building those situations. And, you know, everyone's going to have a – Oh wow moment at some point. It's just can we rally fast enough and recover from it? Coach, you mentioned King Weese and Andrew Link, um, a couple of local kids, freshmen. Uh, for anyone who's from here, high school football fans, what uh what's where are some of the local kids looking like to you and we expect to see them uh, have a big impact? Yeah, I think a lot of the guys we've briefly discussed earlier will will see some time again in the running back room. Connor Lair has done a nice job from West Plains. Um Love his attitude. Love how he comes to work every day. Um, Caden Wiest, uh, he has he has a wrist injury. All right, so he won't actually be traveling this week. He's got a non-contact wrist injury that will put him out. Um, Andrew Link 
is going to go and, and should see a few series here and there possibly depending on how the game goes. But, again, you don't want to overwhelm young, really talented guys until you know for a fact that they're ready to do what it takes to be on that big stage. You one that's going to have trouble sleeping the night before the game or um, or is that quarterback going to keep you up for Kansas? Just how does that work for you? Yeah, White, I've got I got four kids under five. I don't I don't see a bunch of sleep anyway. So I don't I don't think the football season will change that very much. But th this is why you get into the profession to go to a, a rising star organization like Kansas that has totally been reborn and, and see what your guys are made of. Because you always talk about wanting to compete against the best, wanting to recruit against the best. And I think they just said they have a three million dollar three hundred million dollar facilities and stuff going in. Good. You know, again, when the ball is snapped, football is football. And I can promise you that none of those guys back there, nobody else wearing a Bears football helmet is just going to limp into the game expecting not to perform at their best. That's the coach. All right, good luck this Thanks, weekend. Thanks, guys. So appreciate your time. just getting going and uh, you're kind of the veteran of that wide receiver what are you liking about the offense right now and everything that's happening there uh i think the big part of offense is coach e uh, i think you talked about it with coach beard and us evolving i think that's a big part of it coach ellington's came here you know he's a technician you know that's the thing I, that i love and he teaches you the game at receiver um and just being able to evolve knowing our room is young um liam and and, and j-rob and all of them They've evolved since they've gotten here. And so on the offense-wise, I think we just have a lot of talent. You know, Cartier coming back, Sheldon, all of them, and the O-line looks great. Um, and I think the camaraderie between the offense is, is awesome. You know, everyone speaks to each other. Everybody's, you know, if someone's down, everybody's getting them back up. You know, so we're all just in there for for each other. The coach, coach talked about the two quarterbacks that'll be getting some time in on Friday night. Um, just what's... What's the difference? Is there a difference? Just how, how is that as a receiver standpoint? Uh, receiver standpoint, if you can just get us the ball, that's that's fine. You know, it's just being able to get us the ball whenever we need to, and we trust both of them. You know, they're going to do whatever they need to do to win a football game, and that's the big thing is just winning. Is it a, is it a problem to not have a decision made, or, or does it bother you guys at uh, all? No, we just know that, you know, both of them are going to come in and play, whoever plays. You know, we just have to, uh, as a receiver group, know that we have to do our jobs first. You know, it's it's our job to block. It's our job to, you know, know the plays and just be there for whoever's in the game. You know, they're they're both young and, and haven't played a lot, so we know that we have to be there, step up for them whenever it's time is needed. Darian, what's it mean to get that respect? Uh, kind of coming in here, being named the team captain, and uh, just few, just a few months here, and you've already got that respect from this team. I mean, it it really means the world to me. I mean, coming in from a whole different program, a place where may feel like you might not have got the respect that you deserved. Um, just coming in, putting my heart at on, working every day, I mean, it means a lot. There's a lot of guys on this squad that probably, not going to say deserved it more than me, but earned that respect from their teammates with a longstanding relationship. And it just means a lot that I worked my way into it. You're fiery. I, there was that first drive of the second half of uh, one of the scrimmages a couple of weeks ago where you had like three sacks on that one drive. And you're just screaming towards the sidelines, getting up there. Just uh, being able, you, you say you didn't get much of the respect you, just, you thought you was a, deserved at Charlotte, but mm -hmm. here you're a starting defensive end, a team captain, someone who's supposed to go out there and kind of shine for this team. What are you excited to show? Man, I'm just excited to show all the work that I put in. I put in hours and hours and sweat and blood and tears into this game, and I just pray every day that it loves me back the same way I love it. It's my passion. It's what I love, and I just want to put that on display for everyone to see. It's not very often you have a head coaching change and none of the schemes change. Specifically, defensively, what kind of an advantage is it going in? It's a first-year head coach, but nothing's changed. I would guess terminology, scheme. How much of an advantage is that for you guys rather than going to Kansas and taking on a power five school where you're still trying to learn things? It's a great advantage for our guys because, you know, um, all the terminology is the same. Um, guys are just, just in the scheme already. But we just, it's a bunch of moving parts, a lot of new guys. But if we just keep staying in the scheme with each other, we'll keep us. Coach, talk a little bit about 
Um, it's no different. You know, when we go into Kansas, we know that as a team, we're all we got. So um, everybody's going to be against us in that. It's going to be loud. It's going to be a lot of guys throwing things at us, you know. But we're going to come together as a team. You know, we're going to be tough. And we know that we all we got. I also done that before. Barry, can you give us a description of Coach Beard's personality on the field and off the field? <laughs> Man, so off the field, he's one of the people that you want to hang out with, one of the people you want to be with all the time. He's great. He's going to give you all the wisdom that you need to hear, tell you the hard things that you need to hear, tell you everything. On the field, he is a complete 180. He is the head coach that you want to have on the field, the person you want to go to battle with. He's going to tell you everything you need to hear, whether you want to hear it or not. At that point in time, he's going to get in your face, make sure that know what it is that you did wrong or what you can do to improve like he is a hundred percent the only word that comes to mind is a dude man just a dude as a head coach pj is he, is he the same dude as he was a year ago oh for sure for sure is uh he hasn't changed a bit since we got here but definitely a coach that like he said like to go to work with how's the secondary come together just corners on the outside um you got the but Got the safeties figured out for a while. Just what are you seeing from those guys to where uh, uh, these guys are able to step in when you've lost a lot of that room? I feel like we're really meshing together well. You know, um, being on the field together. You know, chemistry is building. Uh, communication with the guys. Just talking each and every play. I mean, that's what's going to get us the game. You know, allow us to execute as well as we can. Um, so we're just going to keep on building on that chemistry and keep on coming together and just um, being a great secondary, making plays. Darian, you see him a little fired up when I ask him about the secondary. Just what have you noticed? I see a lot of dudes who can make a lot of plays, man. Like, their biggest strength is their ability, if that makes sense. It's, it's, it's fun to see. It's fun to watch in practice. Where you seeing a lot of defensive line? There are quite a few names that we recognize there, but just the depth and everything. How, how deep is this group? It's extremely deep. When I look at, like, throughout camp, there was points at times where I didn't see a drop-off from the ones to the twos. There was points where I seen so much growth and development from the young guys like Caden Weiss, like Andrew Link, or even the JUCO guys like Alama Collins. Um, you just see potential everywhere, and I think we really have the opportunity to realize it. A lot of dudes around there. A lot of dudes. <laughs> a lot of dudes. <laughs> Anything else for the players? Guys, thanks for your time. Great luck this weekend. Thanks, guys. Thank you.